Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm Josh Adair, the intern for biblical counseling. In today's episode, we begin a series discussing suicide. Today, in part one, we discuss the realities of this issue and why it can be such a difficult topic to discuss. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you'd like to stay aware of new episodes, you can download our app by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the app store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. Well, welcome back to 1A. Josh, thanks for joining me yet again. It's good to be back with you, Josh. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, brother. We, I think we did one episode, sort of a... Oh, yeah, that's Oh, right. the holidays. <laughs> that's right. We did do a 2021 <laughs> episode. Yeah. Just to let you know how everything runs together. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are starting a brand new series. This is going to be one of our more difficult series. I asked, this is, this is Squires here. When Adair and I talk about topics, I ask that we do a series on suicide. Yes, and that is where we find ourselves now. We realized that this is a reality that many of us are facing in light of our pandemic and also in light of a lack of teaching that is really out there on the topic that yeah. we wanted to address. And so before we really get underway, we want to we wanna just begin by, by offering an encouragement to those of you who may have had this tragic reality strike your own life. Yeah, so if you have been touched by somebody who has committed suicide or you yourself has, have significantly struggled with suicide, this may be a good series for you to listen to, but at the same time, you may want to skip it. If it mm-hmm. is too intense, and come talk to me or Josh or one of the counselors at the counseling center one on one. Or if you do decide to listen to it, which again I think can be helpful, you just may want to be more intentional about how you listen to this particular series. Sure. And what I mean by that is that typically when we listen to podcasts, we do it, you know, while we're on the road driving because we're stuck in the car or while we're out exercising or doing some chores or whatever. If you've been touched by suicide, this may bring up some pretty intense thoughts and feelings. Yeah. You may not want to be driving on the road yeah. when you listen to this one. Yes, indeed. Uh, so Probably just find a spot where you can go and reflect and just sit while you listen. <laughs> and you may need to pause multiple yeah. times, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And again, if this gets too intense or overwhelming, that's fine. Skip yeah. it. And if, if you need to talk about it, come talk about it one-on-one. Yeah, and if we can be any encouragement to you, we would love to be. So uh, One other thing that okay. I want to say, just in, in prep, and that is if I could give people an exhortation, just something to do uh, on the backside of listening, even to this first session, is to go put the number for National Suicide Prevention in your phone. Save it in your contacts. I will give you that number. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's one 800 273 8255. It's a national 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week suicide prevention hotline. It's manned by people who are trained, not not scripturally trained, but at times you just need pragmatic help on how to get people through this. If you Mm -hmm. or someone you know are in the middle of being suicidal, thinking about actually 
taking your own life, having that contact ready or available. You could shoot it to somebody in the text or an email, or you could call it if you need to, if someone's right there with you. is so much better than having to fumble and try and find it. So yeah. take a moment, save it into your contacts, just in case you have to use it. And that's 800-273-8255, correct? Yes, that's correct. I thought it'd be really helpful for us to even go a little bit deeper into why we were starting a series on suicide, Josh. You know, we we touched on this just a minute ago, but why is this something that we want to talk about now at the start of a new year when that is probably, for some, one of the furthest things from From their their mind? mind. Yeah. Great question. And and why was this so heavy or intense for me? Why why was it on the top of my list as things to talk about? And there were a couple of reasons. First is the frequency of suicide in North America has been growing exponentially. Yeah. I was actually doing some research on this in prep. It was as recent as 2017. And even the weekend that I was looking at this article, as, but as recent as 2017, there's as many as 40,000 people who commit suicide each year in the United States. Yeah, that's an incredible number. Actually, we lose more soldiers to suicide than we do to war. Yeah. To actual any sort of battle injury. Sure. By by a pretty large margin, actually. Yeah. So suicide as a act has been growing and growing. And the fear around suicide also seems like it's growing and growing. People are more and more kind of ducking their heads mm. and not wanting to talk about it, maybe because it is becoming more and more a reality for people. And so I wanted us to be able to get to a place where we could talk about it and do so reasonably and from a Christian world and life view. Absolutely. Jean Twenge and her book, iGen, she talks about the number of suicide and how it's increased just over the past five years. So do Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff in their Coddling of the American Mind. And for adolescent and young adult girls, suicide has increased 100% over the past five to seven years. And for men, it's up 75%. Yeah, those are astounding numbers. Just, yeah, absolutely astounding. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it's it's not something that's limited just to our societal circumstances, even prior to this season, Josh. I I was reading an article that said uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, their entire school district is looking at reopening because they've already lost a number of students Mm. to suicide this year. Wow because of the pandemic situation that we find ourselves in. I think that's a good transition to talk about yeah, some of the other reality we're facing. That's exactly right. And so the second reason is, is because in this pandemic season, yeah. the two biggest things that you're seeing are anxiety and depression. Yeah, And especially for those who are isolated, widows, widowers, singles, maybe even adolescents. But... That has caused an an increase in suicidal ideation as depression and anxiety have increased. Not all people who commit suicide are clinically depressed or anxious, but most, and like a, a large percentage, most are. So we find ourselves not only in the midst of a culture where suicide was increasing, but now contextually in an event where suicide is likely to be more common And then people are expecting, and we may talk about this in some (laughs) other future series, but people are expecting that once this is over, once everybody gets the shot and been vaccinated, Mm -hmm. you know, life opens back up and everything's fine. There's a second round of grief coming. Yeah. And it's not going to affect everybody. In fact, it may not even affect the majority of people. 
but it will affect a large number of people that they yeah. will just begin to grieve once we're through this and not before then. Yeah. And therefore the idea of suicide will once again come on the table more intensely for a great number of people once we're through this. And it even makes sense in some level that it might, because as we get back to what was quote normal yeah. and people begin to, th- to realize that this was not as good as I had longed for it to be. Yeah. That just the reality that met the expectations, yeah. not that that'll be the single source of it, but yeah. even grieving everything that was lost. I remember you telling me uh, in this season for people is something that will be incredibly challenging as people. That's right. It. Most people are focused on surviving this season, not getting COVID. And if you do surviving once we're through it, you'll finally have the freedom to look back and see everything that you've lost. Mm-hmm. Things like graduations and even funerals and things like that that you just didn't get to go to. Mm. And the weight of all that you lost will require some grief. I think most people will be able to go through that without being sucked down into a depression cycle. Sure. But I do think that a number of people will. Mm. And then as more and more people battle that post-COVID depression. Sure suicide and suicide ideation will probably spike. Yeah. Well, if that's, if it's as common as we think, Josh, uh, and as we, as the statistics have been showing and as our experiences are showing, that brings up a really good question of why is it so difficult for us to talk about this? Yeah. Okay. So on this question, I actually want to throw it back to you. Okay. Because this is an issue that I've had training on, multiple times throughout my career mm-hmm. it's been a regular part of how i have to interact with people and training that i've given schools that i've given churches for probably 15 years now so i recognize it is hard to talk about suicide but it may be easier for me to talk about suicide than sure. it is for your average joe <laughs> and so yeah. I, I actually want to throw this back to you as somebody who's kind of newer into the counseling world sure what is your sense as to why talking about suicide is so scary or difficult? I think there's two things I can think about. Okay. And I appreciated you giving me some time to think about this one too. Anytime someone wants to to move into some sort of helping place where they seek to engage and care for a fellow member of the body or a fellow friend that they're around, I think that there's... There's a sense in which our understanding of taking that responsibility to help someone, it's such an overbearing truth that we face mm. because we're so we're so inexperienced at mm. understanding what someone's going through in suicide. Yeah. That it seems like the stakes are just so incredibly high. Like there's no room for error and if you say the slightest thing, it could lead to someone you love and care about. Yeah ending their life right so it almost feels like you're the one holding the gun yeah with the finger on the trigger yeah and any wrong move you make could result in the gun going off yeah and that that doesn't make sense from a from a framework that understands our personal agency right yeah our ability to make our own choices in one sense i could say really detrimental things in that scenario that might lead to someone right if you are bullying someone onto suicide you are responsible for their death sure but other than that, if you're trying to help and be a listening ear and to say this is not something you want to do, your family, your loved ones, your yeah. career, your education, you have so much before you. Yeah. And that's not good enough for that person in that moment. Not to assume that they're yeah. operating out of that lens and they end up taking their life. 
that's the first reality that just seems so overbearing to me that I've even talked to you about and, yeah. and friends that I've counseled of, I feel like I could never live with that reality. Yeah. It, it's, it is a difficult reality and counselors I think are forced to think through this probably more than your average bear because we deal with so many different things. Yeah. If, if it's, People taking their own lives had a friend therapist whose client took someone else's life. Yeah. If it's you know who knows affairs whatever how what sort of personal agency do I have here? And the answer is from a biblical perspective that we are responsible to one another, but not responsible for one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am responsible to you that I give you good Christian counsel mm-hmm. that I love you as. Christ loved me, mm-hmm. but I cannot keep you yeah. from engaging in acts of your own will, yeah. like taking one's own life or having an affair, whatever it is. Like yeah. that is between you and the Lord, mm. and so you have to be able to have this sort of separation that says whether or not they live or die isn't on me; mm. it is on them. All I am is additive support. Yeah. That's all I am is a support. I'm just extra. You're testimony to the truth that they can cling to in that moment. That's right. Whether they choose to listen to it or not. That's right. It's almost like you're a billboard. Not that but you're a little bit more personal than a billboard. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I just think it's that's the reality of I, I could say something that could really hurt this person uh, and lead them to do that. But that's a very helpful encouragement. And the second thing is there's just so much ignorance we have about what someone who's dealing with suicide is going through. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that statistically speaking, it's really tied to depression. Not yeah. that all depressed people are suicidal, but right. most suicidal people are struggling with clinical depression. Right. And, and we've done some series on that, but yeah. it's something that's just so so terrifying because the stakes are so high. I yeah. can't get past that sometimes when I think about it, but right. it's something that we're called to love and care for one another still. Yeah. So. Well, and I also think that there's a sense <laughs> in which my life is already filled with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's already mm-hmm. pretty busy. Mm-hmm. It's already pretty exhausting. Yeah. And to think that someone might use a word like suicide or thinking about hurting myself or whatever, and then all of a sudden... I've got to drop everything and be there and I can't let them be by themselves for 24 to 48 hours and adding that sort of anxiety and grief and whatever on top of what I've normally got going on on my own plate just mm-hmm. seems so overwhelming Yeah, that I just don't even want to get involved. Yeah, and that's understandable in one sense. Yeah. But that's also, I would say that that's somewhat of a self focused Mm -hmm. reality Mm -hmm. that maybe neglects the call in that moment that we have to care for one another. Well, and honestly, and and you don't have to look at this from a suicide prevention perspective. Mm -hmm. Just think about any time you have ministered to anyone. If it's going and visiting one of our elderly uh, members or a shut-in or someone who needs food, it always requires time and energy. But when you're done... That amount of service and self-sacrifice always pays back more than you gave in. Yeah. And so in a moment like this where you actually love somebody well in the midst of this, it may be draining. It may be difficult. Mm -hmm. But what you get in return is always greater than what you gave out. 
Amen. Right. That's true. And so just having that perspective, again, as long as, as you don't get sucked down into the I'm responsible for them living. Mm, absolutely. I'm just one more support in their life. I'm just additive in this formula. Mm-hmm. Right. Then when, when you get to the other side, I guarantee you the Lord will sustain you through and he will show you how your willingness to sacrifice and suffer for another is blessed by him. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes the reality that the call to be faithful, we know it's there in our lives, and sometimes we, we forget that it means that we might have to suffer through things. Yeah. But those things are not mutually exclusive. Right. You know, just because we're called to, to be faithful doesn't mean that it's 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 going to be something that's not difficult for us to endure. Right. But it's right. something that we can endure because of the resources we're given in the gospel. Right. I think one other reason people might be afraid to talk about this is that it feels like some sort of evil genie that can get out of the yeah, bottle. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's true. That if we talk about this, if someone commits suicide, all of a sudden it's a plague of suicides that are going to happen. Yeah, it's like the timer is set on a bomb that's going to detonate, and you yeah. have so long to defuse it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and... and um, I mean, there are stats that show that once one suicide happens, say in a school, for example, there's a window where other suicides are more likely. Yeah. So I get that particular fear, right? So we can't even use the word suicide because it lets the boogeyman out. But it's actually living in fear of naming it and talking about it that gives it more power. Yeah. And that makes suicide more likely rather than actually being able to talk about it and do so from a Christian perspective. Yeah. That's that's and that matches the biblical reality we know. You think about first John. If we confess our sins or walk in the light as he is in the light, yep. he's faithful and just. Yeah. So that brings us to our next question. Uh, where do we begin with the discussion of suicide from a biblical framework, Josh? So I think that one of the places we want to begin, I think, is to say that scripture doesn't address suicide directly very much. Yeah. If you go looking for the word suicide in the Bible, mm-hmm. You're not going to find it very often. Sure. Right? If at all. I don't I don't know if there's any modern translation that would use it. Maybe when talking about Judas, it might use the word in a more modern translation. But it doesn't talk about it very often. Yeah. So the data that we have when it comes to suicide has to then fit under the umbrella of some other major theme that we see in mm. Scripture. Yeah. This is really unpopular. Yeah. But the way that... For instance, the reformers would have talked about this. They didn't have the word suicide. Mm-hmm. They talked about self-murder. Mm. This is one of those phrases that if if you've lost a loved one, man, it's so offensive and it's so painful, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you have to live with that and that that's been part of your fallen reality here. But I do think that there is truth to that phrase self-murder because then it allows us to plug in to a greater framework in the Bible, Mm. both about the grievous nature of what has happened Mm -hmm. and the glorious nature of God's grace. Mm. And, and both of those things need to be held together and intention. Yeah. And in order for us to be able to talk about this honestly and yet compassionately. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something I've, I've found in some of my research on it as well. Even when you look through the list of people who would fit the lens of this was a suicide, yeah, that list of people is not a very attractive list. It's not an attractive list at all. I mean, you've got guys like 
Abimelech, son of Gideon and Judges, Samson and Judges, uh, Saul, Ahithophel, the counselor who who gave counsel to yep. overtake David. Yep. You've even got a king of Israel, Zimri, I believe. That's not a really fun crowd to run with. Right. Not to be flippant in the way that I discussed this, but yep. I think that brings up a reality of suicide that you and I were talking about even before we, we started to record today. Yeah. That it's it's hard to find the biblical data. I mean, it's easy to find the biblical data, but the theological underpinning of what's exactly going on is a little bit more sparse. Yeah, and it's only when we bring it into that lens of of murder that we begin to understand the categories of what Scripture would have us self murder that that we would begin to have the categories Scripture would have us think about it. Right. It also gives us the ability to then minister to that part of us that even would bring this on the table. Yeah. And I think that this is maybe one place in which we can stand apart, as as we should, as Christians, from the secular world, where instead of running from this issue in fear, acting like if it were to get out, it would ruin everything and, and you know wreak havoc, that we can actually compassionately respond to mm-hmm. people who have this sort of desire inside of them mm-hmm. that you can say, I get it. And, and actually I do think that this has been one of the things that's been more helpful for me in my counseling career is to just be able to say, I get it. There's a part of you, hmm. a part of you that recognizes genuinely you were not designed to live in a fallen version hmm. of this. Hmm. You were designed to live with immediate fellowship with God perfect fellowship with fellow humans, perfect balance with all of nature, with body and soul. Hmm. And instead, all of those things are either isolated or at enmity. Hmm. And it's a struggle. It's exhausting. Hmm. And so there is a part of you that is saying, I want to go straight to glory. I want to go to a reality that is more like what I was designed for. Hmm. Now, that part of you needs to be able to hear the gospel. So, so it needs to be compassionately heard rather than told to shut up and go away. Yeah. Right? But it also needs to be able to look at Jesus. If there was ever anyone who faced something so terrible and difficult that you would want to check out early, mm. it was the physical death of torture on the cross, the most painful death that the world knew how to give which was just a foretaste, just a, just a, the tip of the iceberg of what it was really like to face the spiritual death of hell mm. as God the Father poured out his wrath mm. on God the Son. And, and yet he still walked forward. He still made it through. That sort of sacrifice from Christ is really the bed from which Romans 5 says that Suffering, when endured, leads to character, Christ-like character. That, that's the character we're looking at. Mm. And that character yields hope. Mm. It's, it's not actually when things are going well that produces hope. Mm. It's when things go poorly. It's when you're suffering, and there's no suffering more intense than the suffering that is suicide. Mm. And so being able to take that piece and not tell it, hey, you just need to get out of here, and instead... Come to me because you are weary, mm. and Jesus will give you rest. Mm. 
Mm. Look at him. Don't look at the world. Mm. Don't look at yourself. Yeah. Look at Jesus. Right? And so I think that that is probably one of the first places that I would want people to go from a scripture perspective. Yeah. When it comes to suicide is, is that, man, this is a place, this is a thing that wants maybe a good thing. I want to go be with Jesus mm. in a bad way. Mm. And, and that good thing can be redeemed at the cross. Mm. Right. And know something greater about Christ's power and his fellowship here mm. through making it day by day, leaning on the cross. Yeah. Right. And it's not, it, I would say that it's not even that we're advocating some sort of love of suffering. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> because that's not what we're asking of this. But the framework is a biblical pattern that looks at the work of Jesus as the way forward through through our suffering, knowing that it's his resurrection power that's at work in us to transform us even in the midst of our difficult circumstances. That's right. That's right. That's powerful, Josh. Yeah. And that's very different from our cultural response because you, you've you hinted at this, yeah. but our cultural response, if I've, I've heard you correctly, is just tell it to go away. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Even so, so, you know, I gave you the suicide prevention hotline, which is fantastic and it's a great resource. And if you're mm-hmm. in the middle of a crisis, call them and they will help. But oftentimes their answer and the answer of, you know, hospitals and psychiatric wards and whatever is stop it. Hmm. Right. It is, is more of a stop it mentality rather than a come to me, let Hmm. me listen and hear. Yeah. And it's because I, you know, it's treatment trying to save your life. They see it as a triage issue. Yeah. Right. And so they need to just get the bullet out of you and stitch you up. Right. Hmm. And my sense is, is that, look, that part of you that wants you to go straight to glory yeah, it needs to understand and hear Jesus's voice if you're really going to get any healing, so mm. that this doesn't continue to um, come up for you again and again and again. Mm. Right. So I would say, you know, from biblical data perspective, we need to keep in mind the seriousness of what this is—that it is murder. Yeah, you cannot take that lightly. Mm. But that there is grace. And then that grace enables us to look at this lovingly head on and talk about it yeah. and not be in fear about it. Whether we're those who are suffering with some of the ideas of it or whether we are someone who has a loved one suffering with it. And that's, the, that's, that's where we want to go with this. We want to yep. develop a pattern, a, 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 a practical, pragmatic plan for how do, we, how do we not only prevent this but intervene and then even how do we grieve in the midst of this difficulty through the lens of the gospel. Amen. And so that's uh, where we're going to go next, and we hope that you guys will continue to join us. Uh, again, if, if you or any of your loved ones are struggling with this right now, please reach out yep. to us at the church, uh, Jay Adair at firstpresscolumbia.org or Jay Squires at firstpresscolumbia.org. Or our counseling center. They have 20 therapists on staff, all who have been trained. Fantastic. Happy to listen and help you walk through this. Well, thanks so much, Josh, for being willing to talk about this. Thank you, Josh. I'll talk to you later.